Welcome everyone to Dykema's Election Outlook Podcast. I'm Jim Brandell, Government Policy Advisor at Dykema, joined by my colleagues Andy Buchek and Mary Beth McGowan. We're going to go through the presidential election, the U.S. Senate and the U.S. House as we look to Election Day coming up this November 3rd. And so first off, uh, Andy, Mary Beth, let's look at the presidential race and kind of voting in general and there's a lot of information out there about what may and may not happen come election day that we've seen. Um, so let's talk a little bit about what we think might happen in the presidential race and just voting in, in general in these. One of the things I think that it's, it's very interesting, I think, people to know and to understand is how votes are counted. I know, uh, I'm sure both of you have also heard that voting uh, could take, but we might not know the results for days. Uh, and that's a kind of a, a theme that's been heard for a lot of folks. I actually just read uh, and saw that the Pew Charitable Trust did a great analysis of how votes are done uh, prior to Election Day, during Election Day, and after the close of polls. And one of the great takeaways is that the voting system in the United States is pretty well set on how they count the votes uh, to avoid a lot of ambiguity with this. The one takeaway from this is that over 36 states count all their ballots prior to Election Day. Uh, about a dozen vote, uh, uh, count their ballots during the Election Day, and only three states in the United States, uh, Mississippi, Maryland, and Massachusetts, wait until the close of polls on Election Day before they actually start counting the absentee and early votes that they have. Places like Texas, they count all their ballots prior to Election Day of anyone who's voted. So when Election Day happens, they're ready to go to add the in-person voting totals. Places like Michigan uh, is a, a little bit of a hybrid. They are currently getting their ballots ready to be counted, um, and, but they actually don't actually count them until uh, during Election Day when Election Day starts. So um, hopefully we're not going to have a lot of the chaos that some of the pundits like to predict, but I think that's a, an important point for all of us uh, to remember here. Uh, but when you look actually at the, the polls right now for uh, the presidential race, I think um, you know a lot of conventional wisdom has uh, Joe Biden, the challenger, the former vice president, with, uh, with a lead in the popular vote. And how that breaks down to the Electoral College obviously remains to be seen. We know it takes 270 electoral votes to win the presidential election. And right now, as I mentioned, conventional wisdom has Biden up uh, in that count. Um, but as we know, there's a, from 2016, a lot can happen prior to uh, Election Day and actually on Election Day with, with, with the polling. Um, Andy, are there any states that we should be looking at you know, to kind of give us a crystal ball earlier in the night on Election Day for what may or may not happen? Well, I, I think that everyone is watching the, the three states across the Midwest, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, that President Trump flipped last time. He won each of those states by less than 1%. And so despite polls showing the vice president ahead in all three of those states right now, I think most folks expect those three states to still be very close. And in order for President Trump to get reelected, he's got to at least hold on to Pennsylvania and or the other two states with a, you know, a combination somewhere along the way here. So um, I think those states are the ones that, that everyone will be watching. But some of the other battleground states like North Carolina and Florida and even Georgia 
certainly would give you an indication early in the night if for some reason the president is unable to hold on to those states that it's going to likely be a good night for Joe Biden. Yeah, one of the interesting uh, data points that's out there that I think people need to look at, too, before they jump to big conclusions is about the voter registration gaps in different states and how they've changed. Um, In some states, Democrats have done a a fantastic job of adding uh, voters to their rolls, where places like in Florida, uh, the Republicans have been adding Republicans to their voter rolls. at a quite steadily pace since 2008 that uh, it was just reported that by Pew actually again that um, for this election in 2020 it's almost even now when it comes to the registered voter partisan gap uh, between the parties. So I think that's an interesting uh, data point in a lot of these states on, on how the parties have added voters. So while polls may show one thing, I think it's important uh, that, you know, election day is, is the most important day. So I think we're going to hear a lot of bantering back and forth. But I think, Andy, those are really good insights. Um, and, go ahead, Mary Beth. And I was just going to add that um, looking at turnout this year, I, all indication is that this could be a historically um, and a historical year for large turnout. And when you're seeing uh, ballots that have already been cast in early voting were already starting to creep up on percentages of voters that voted in, in past elections. So that's another thing to look at um, as well that is is expected to be a large turnout. And then when you're looking at how the, the presidential election interplays with the congressional elections, in 2016, uh, there really was not many much ticket splitting at all. And so I think that is going to be another question of whether um, of whether voters are going to vote the party or you're going to get in, get, you know, they are going to split their ticket wow. and how that could bear out for the president and, and, and Senate and congressional races. That's a, that's a really good point, Mary Beth. Well, speaking of congressional races, uh, Andy, what's the House looking like? Uh, right now it's in Democrat control. Uh, what are some of the conventional wisdoms out there when it comes to what may or may not happen with the House? Well, all 104, all all 435 members of the House are up for re-election every two years, so everyone in the House is on the ballot. Um, the current makeup of the House has the Democrats with the majority, with 232 Democrats. There are currently 197 Republicans, and there are actually five vacancies right now for one reason or another, either. Uh, retirements or John Lewis passed away. Um, there's a, a number of, of causes for the vacancies, but all the current projections have the remain have the Democrats uh, retaining their majority. With most of the forecasts expecting Democrats to gain anywhere from five to to ten seats of, of their current makeup. Uh, part of this is because the Democrats start with an advantage essentially because of um, some redistricting. Uh, orders in North Carolina, Democrats are expected to pick up two seats in North Carolina sort of off the bat, which sort of gets them a, a jump start. But on election day, the focus is going to be on probably 20 to 25 races that are characterized as toss-ups. And you know, many of these toss-ups are open seats where there is not an incumbent running. And so both parties are uh, you know, hotly contesting those races. It appears that Democrats have a, a slight advantage in several of the, the toss-ups around the country, but that, that doesn't mean that there aren't Democrats, um, Democratic incumbents even, with tough races. We know that the, the chairman of the 
House Transportation Committee, Peter DeFazio, was running in Oregon um, against a very strong challenger and is expected to be sort of a nail-biter of a race. Sherry Bustos, the congresswoman from Illinois, is expected to have a, a much closer race than she has had in the last couple of cycles. And so I think most people would say that Democrats have some momentum in House races and are likely to make some gains. But I also think most people expect that there are going to be a handful of surprises on Election Day around the country of races where Democrats didn't think they had a chance to win and they pull it off. And some races around the country where Republicans take a few seats back from from Democrats. Um, I, I don't know about you guys. Are there any specific races that, that you guys are watching around the country, either interesting races for the the story behind them or sort of as bellwethers in terms of how the the night is going to play out for control yeah um I, there's definitely several as you mentioned incumbents who are not running for your election andy especially in texas um there's three that, that i've been looking at the texas 22 23 and 24 where congressman uh pete olson will hurt and kenny marchant um all decided not to run for your election this year all three have been popular incumbents for several cycles, um, but both, but all three are ones that I know that are Democrats are looking for pickup opportunities. So um, I think those are going to be very competitive seats, and I think that will definitely show us whether it's going to be a, a good day for Republicans or for Democrats, depending on how those seats go. Well, let's take a look now at the Senate, uh, now that we've looked at the House a little bit. Mary Beth, do you want to give us an overview of the Senate, where things stand, and and what we may want to look for on election night there? Yeah, absolutely. So, right, you know, the Senate, the Senate is controlled by Republicans. They have 53 seats to Democrats, 47 seats, which include two independents. But uh, of the seats up for election this cycle, which is a third of them up each year, there's 35 seats that are up and Republicans are defending 23 of them. So Democrats need to pick up four to win. Uh, they've been really focusing since the, since the cycle started on, on four core ones, which have been Arizona, Maine, Colorado, and North Carolina. But that is kind of continuing to evolve as we get closer to the election where Iowa is now, um, many forecasters have put that that Senator Joni Ernst that leans Democratic. Um, there's and and some other ones that and so you have to look at those are those are four that are looking that are maybe trouble for Republicans. Uh, and we're if 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 Democrats want to go beyond um, picking up 51 seats, then we're going to start looking at states like Alaska, Georgia, Kansas, Montana, South Carolina, and and like Andy mentioned earlier, if if those if those states start start going and appear to be trouble for Republicans, then um, you kind of see how the night's going to go going to go. Um, on the Democratic side, uh, we're watching very closely in the Michigan races, Senator Gary Peters, and he's he's pegged as one of the the Democrats that could actually flip, and so that's another one uh, that we're looking at, as well as in Montana, that that is a toss up that that could maybe go either way, that that could be a pickup for Republicans. Andy, what kind of what states are you looking at for the, the Senate and what do you think is a, some ones we should look at on election night? Well, Mary Beth mentioned Iowa. When I talk to uh, campaign folks, they are sort of very excited about Iowa, that it's been trending 
in the direction of Democrats um, in the last couple of weeks. There was a, a debate that didn't go so well for Senator Ernst. And so where they where Democrats started with those four seats Mary Beth mentioned, I think right now that Democrats are just as confident about Iowa as they are about any of those, those other four states. All, all of those races will still be close, but um, I think that that is something that has Democrats feeling a little bit better about their chances of retaking the, the, the Senate. You know, there's the, the race in Alabama with Senator Doug Jones, where I think most expect that he is going to be defeated by Tommy Tuberville, the former Auburn football coach. And so, you know, that means that the uh, Democrats at a minimum need to pick up four seats to make it 50-50 and hope that the President Biden, Vice President Biden wins the election and uh, Kamala Harris will be the, the tie-breaking vote in the Senate. Yeah. So yeah, lots of, a lot to look at on the presidential, the the House, as well as the Senate. So we will be doing a post-election wrap-up after November third, summarizing where things stand, where the policy shifts may be happening when it comes to taxes, trade, healthcare, and and how that may affect companies in the United States. So. Please uh, look for our post-election wrap-up as we look for the impacts of all these elections. So thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to talking with you very soon.